Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a weekly podcast where we stay on top of the latest trends, tips, and tools in the world of marketing AI, helping you get the best results from your marketing efforts. Now let's join our hosts, Paul Avery and Martin Broadhurst. Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a podcast for marketers that goes into all the aspects of how AI can help them improve their marketing efforts. I am joined today by the man, the legend, Martin Broadhurst. How are you, Martin? I am splendid on this uh, fine Friday. It's actually just cleared up outside, blue skies, but if we'd have started this podcast recording about 15 minutes ago, I don't think you'd have heard me due to the incredibly loud hailstorm that was taking place. You'd have been washed away. Are you sure that hailstorm wasn't a hailing down of AI-related news stories? Because it does uh, feel like that, doesn't it? It's been a bit crazy this week, isn't it? I read on a forum today that 2023 has been an interesting decade, which I thought was quite apt. But then I sat back and thought, actually, I think March 2023 has been an interesting decade and it hasn't even ended yet. Yeah, just like the last fortnight. Madness, madness. So, um, right, a deep breath. There is so much to cover today. We're going to try and rattle through it, waffle less than usual, and give you hopefully just the salient facts. Don't point that face at me, Martin. I'm not I, I, don't, look, I don't want to overpromise. <laughs> that is true. I'm waffling now. We've already broken that. <laughs> right, it's right, it's right. right. This is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Bard, Chat GPT plugins. We're going to talk about Camera AI, Adobe Firefly. That sounds like, sounds like a bit of a wrap. We're going to talk about NVIDIA Foundations. We're going to talk about how Bing got an image generator. Runway ML teased the launch of their text to video. And Microsoft published a 150-page paper on why GPT-4 is a big leap forward and a strong step towards artificial general intelligence. We're also going to look at what this means in relation to OpenAI's recent paper on what this is going to mean for people's jobs. We're going to use the, do our usual look at uh, tool of the week. We've got a couple of those in there and we've got a, a new section this week, which is our Ninja marketing and sales application of AI. Tell you a little story about um, what someone's doing and it's, yeah, wait around to the end for that because you're going to go, sorry, what? How can I do that? Because it is rather cool. Right, let's get cracking. Let's talk chat. GPT plugins, first of all. So yesterday, my LinkedIn and my WhatsApps, thanks to Martin, tried to drive my phone into meltdown when ChatGPT launched its new plugins platform. Is it a platform? Yes. Is it additions to how ChatGPT works already? Yes. It's kind of mad. So what is it? So in essence, People can now build third-party plugins on top of ChatGPT. And as a proof of principle, OpenAI has already built a few already, which includes things like a web browser. So, for example, you can now query ChatGPT in natural language like you've been doing already, but it can now go visit a website and collect information that it thinks is relevant to your query and then bring it back to you. So the criticism that many people, including the folks on this podcast, have had of ChatGPT is that it's only trained on data up to the middle of 2021, but now it can go visit the web, assuming it goes to the right places, that's no longer a criticism anymore. They've also partnered up OpenAI with um, around 20 sort of initial providers, including uh, Kayak. So you can now ask ChatGPT to go and find you hotels, flights, etc., based on a brief you give it. So I'd like to go to Paris at some point in April. I'm not willing to spend more than 400 quid, but I want to stay in a three-star hotel, go and find me some options um, and then book it for me. Pretty awesome. Uh, and also uh, Zapier is included in that, Zapier, Zapier, um, which in essence allows you to connect ChatGPT to 5,000 other apps. So you can ask for things in natural language and it will do it, like uh, add this person to my CRM, look for this piece of information in the spreadsheet, yada, yada, yada. Um, so that's that's pretty crazy. Um, first thoughts on that, Martin? When I saw that Zapier was one of the launch partners, I knew this was interesting. Like immediately, you just go, "Oh wow, they have uh, really unlocked." Like they like say, five thousand other apps that has access to. We were impressed the other week when we looked at ChatGPT being integrated into uh, HubSpot with um, ChatSpot and uh, Einstein GPT, this is a whole leap forward yet again. So think about all of the, the integrations that you're going to be able to do. Just, I'm, I'm very excited to get my hands on that particular integration. 
But yeah, first thoughts were, wow, they are serious, aren't they? This is uh, a platform play. That is a big move and very exciting. Yeah, I think the platform play is a really interesting one because what does this do? I mean, this basically opens up the opportunity for others to build plugins on top of it. So in essence, this is the first formings one assumes of like an app marketplace for ChatGPT. Yeah, um, very much so. And if you look at what that's done for other businesses, um, take the example of Salesforce App Exchange. That's something that has its whole ecosystem all on its own. Uh, that I was to quick Google search before I jumped into this. Uh, 1.6 billion USD is the value of that marketplace. That's the, the the Salesforce one. How big is the ChatGPT marketplace going to be? Absolutely. I saw a comment on Twitter that the way this is going, we're going to be spending 90% of our time at work in front of a ChatGPT style interface, whether you agree with that or not. Um, but that's kind of insane when you think about how fundamentally it will change how we work and therefore the ecosystem around that and how much value it's going to it's going to create for the people who can come up with the killer apps, which of course was the race in the smartphone era, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so yeah, Angry Birds coming to a, a, a ChatGPT <laughs> window near you soon. Um, except for you have to ask him what to do instead of clicking. Um, yes, very, very cool. I think um, the other thing, and I'm not a developer, so I can't really comment too much on this, but I did see something on Twitter, which I thought was amazing, which is that it sounds like it's super easy to create your own plugin. So uh, to quote Mitchell Hashimot, who was on Twitter, he wrote, you write an open AI, an open API manifest for your API. You use human language descriptions for everything, and that's it. You let the model figure out how to auth, chain calls, process data in between, format it for viewing, etc. So this is my complete layman's interpretation of that. All of the complexity that would usually come with building an API that can can ensure data is moving between systems and being uh, effectively read and interpreted by uh, OpenAI's system and ChatGPT is massively simplified because ChatGPT, in essence, does a lot of the heavy lifting of figuring out how your plugin should even work. Is that how you interpreted that, mine? Yeah, exactly. And and uh, Greg Brockman, co-founder of OpenAI, basically confirmed that you write your instructions in human language for the machine to read and go, "Oh yeah, I got this. I can I can turn that into a an easy plugin, no problem. Yeah, you leave it to me. I've got it." It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Um, so we've been thinking like, what does this mean for marketers? And there's so much stuff to try and unpick here. So we'll crack through through a few bits. I think the first thing is expect a lot more tools to emerge that let you do a whole host of things, right? Creating content based on info that you provide it access to. So an example would be you had a G, a G Drive folder with, a, you know, 10, I don't know, PDFs or HTML articles or something that in, in essence was the briefing material that then ChatGPT could create the content based off the back of that, not just its prediction engine based on what it's been trained on. You can go query your CRM database and ask it questions about your leads and your customers and who bought the most X from us last month and, and that type of stuff. Um, and you can carry out a series of actions that automatically that would normally take a series of clicks, but by driven by a natural language request. So it's almost like asking an assistant to go look in a spreadsheet or database or folder or email or something to go retrieve a bit of information for you and potentially even synthesize and summarize and tell you what's important from it, right? So that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, I think the other thing that I've, I've been thinking about, Martin, is if it's really that easy to build on, we might find that marketplaces pop up that make it easy for you to basically request, if you're not a developer, your own specific plugins that you can buy for your own use cases and you can get them built at a very low price point. So one of the ideas we were throwing about is I would love to be able to just ask questions of our project management system here at Biostrata in natural language and have the data fed to me, like um, how, how long on average does it take for us to write a blog post? I can do that. We have dashboards that we built for that, but it's pretty painstaking. It'd be pretty awesome if I could just ask ChatGPT to go surface that data and understood what I was asking for. Um, and if the price, if it's that easy and the price comes down low enough, you won't even have to buy commercial tools. You might be able to get ones made specifically for you. 
Um, so that, those are some of the things I was thinking on. I know you had some questions about what does this mean for SEO mine? Yeah. I mean, it, well, I, I mean, I don't really know the answer. We were talking about it on, on WhatsApp, weren't we saying, how does this impact if, if this fundamentally changes the way that we interface with computers and technology wholesale, right? Now that this can go out and browse the web, now that this can go and literally do the search on kayak, now that this can do all of the things that you just explained. When am I going to Google? I, just how, and, and if you think about what that means from, even if it's just a small percentage drop, let's say, let's say it's a 15, 20% drop in me going to Google, like to begin with, that's a 15, 20% drop in revenue for Google. That's not insignificant for a company that is striving for continual growth year on year. For SEOs, how do you how do you optimize for this? How do you make sure that your content is seen first? I just think it fundamentally is going to shift the way that we think about channels for marketers. If you are a uh, a software, if you've got anything like a digital product at all, so software companies, right? When when it's a startup, one of the first things that they look to integrate with will be something like Zapier, right? Because it immediately makes your product accessible to a wide range of of other people. Some people might integrate with, is it Microsoft Power Automate or, or something like that and to, to access that ecosystem. The first integration that software companies are going to be doing now is a plugin with ChatGPT. I think I think it's absolutely spot on and uh, it makes me think of the quote from uh, Mark Andreessen, um, from Andreessen Horowitz who said, I don't know, it was about a decade ago, wasn't it? The software is eating the world. And I think that was absolutely true then. But software in the form of ChatGPT plugins could really eat the world as we know it, including eating all the software that came before it. Software's eating the software that's eating the world. Or I guess more accurately, ChatGPT is eating the software that ate the world. Um, because I think you're absolutely right. One of the things I saw on, on the Twitter sphere yesterday was um will there be a rush of websites because you can block your website from being mm. accessed by chat gpt so that it can't go query it will we see a rush of especially the bigger publishing houses blocking chat gpt from being able to go to their website because in essence it means a user doesn't have to and will that drive even more the emergence of um pay to access content gated content um because in essence, ChatGPT will be surfacing information, but not really necessarily passing on any credit per se to those websites. Maybe it'll provide a link, but would I click a link if I thought my query had already been answered? I don't know. Maybe. And OpenAI have kind of acknowledged this themselves, haven't they? They've said, look, this is going to change the way that, that people interact with tech. And we're aware that we will be taking some traffic away from places. And yeah, they've pretty much thrown a... a kind of hand grenade into the content mix and said, we appreciate your feedback on how we can figure this out. Yeah, what was that quote I sent you? I can't remember it, but in essence, it was that. It was like OpenAI went, yeah, this is going to cause some real major changes in how people create and consume content. And we don't know the answers. And they just sort of went, now everyone, this is your, <laughs> this is your problem. Go figure it out. We appreciate that this is a new method of interacting with the web and welcome feedback on additional ways to drive traffic back to your sources and add to the overall health of the ecosystem. Right. So no solutions whatsoever there then. Just uh, <laughs> as you said in the chat, hand grenade dropped into the uh, into the content marketing and SEO world. Yeah. Good luck, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean to be deliberately provocative. Written content marketing in its current form could be about to die, right? Yeah. Because if your primary goal is to drive traffic to your website, gain subscribers, etc., this might make that significantly harder. If your primary goal is to be seen as a thought leader and ChatGPT ends up somewhat surfacing information or giving credit to where the insights came from, and names your company or your brand or your you as a person, you could probably still get some of the value from it. Um, but I think it puts a real pressure on that some of those content marketing models because if you can't get people on your site, you can't get them to convert and subscribe or 
become a lead or all the other things that typically content marketers would do. I still think things like people talk, talking nonsense on podcasts, just like this one, can still be a very useful way of just bringing some extra insight to things that you might not find. Even ChatGPT can't find because it's coming out live and clearly unfiltered out of our heads, Martin. Um, but yeah, it's um, OpenAI is shaking the tree rather aggressively here. And I think uh, I heard a creak. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So... I think we've probably covered plugins uh, in enough depth there. Agreed. T tell us about NVIDIA, what they've been up to this week. Right, yeah. So NVIDIA Foundations, a big announcement from NVIDIA. They've been doing a lot of work. If you don't know, uh, this this company that we might familiarly think of as being a kind of graphics-based business with interests in graphics cards and things like that, they are heavily invested in AI. And they made a big announcement this week about NVIDIA Foundations which is uh, basically their cloud services that you can then build on top of. So uh, you can do generative AI. They've got a thing called Bionimo or Bionimo, um, Picasso, uh, which is a suite of tools. They've got their own custom large language model, visual models, uh, which can be tailored for domain-specific tasks. So where we were talking about BioGPT the other day, They've got this Bionimo model, which I think we'll cover in more detail in a future week once we've had a bit more time to digest exactly what it means. It's available and accessible via the browser and it's simple API plugins. So again, they're pretty much doing what OpenAI is doing and saying, hey, we've got all of these tools. Developers, please come and use them. You can access these tools. You can build your products on top of them. In terms of their launch partners, Adobe... Getty Images, Morningstar, Shutterstock, they're all collaborating on the product. And they're saying they can be used for things like chatbots, customer service, content creation, uh, and digital simulation as well, which is an interesting use case. Obviously very big on the, the, the graphics and visual side of things. They're not surprising given uh, NVIDIA's background. So why is this uh, interesting to marketers? I, I mean, most of this is about content production, right? So this is about streamlining content creation and very much focused on enhancing uh, and making more efficient the kind of creative workflows. So if that's your space, I think there's lots of interesting things going on there. What they are saying though, and I think what we need to think about is this is just further accelerating AI adoption, right? There's, there's new ways to use AI, new tools are going to be coming out, new products that are got more AI baked into them. If you have a product that isn't using AI tech, if you've got a digital product and you're not looking at how this can be used to improve or enhance your digital offer, you will get left behind. You will be a laggard. Um, so yeah, I think this is just, you know, new set of tools that developers can access. And that's really the headline. Go check it out, particularly if you're making a product in the creative industry space, because uh, NVIDIA is looking to help you make better use of your product and tech. Absolutely. So, so many things to dig in there worth a Google and just see if those particular, any of those particular cloud services are going to be relevant for perhaps the niches that you work in. Um, Martin mentioned Bionimo, which um, is obviously a very lifetime specific and something I will be having a hopefully a look at and a play with over the next week and maybe we can return to next week as you said but yes go and have a play go and have a look um right let's talk about bard not for long because honestly it doesn't warrant it um but google went oh no let's get involved quick we we can do this chatbot thing too and so they announced bard which is their chat gpt equivalent and they made it available by a waiting list and actually quite a few people i know got approved quite quickly not me if you're listening google um so i can't say that i've played with it directly but a lot of the feedback that i've had from people i know who are playing with it is yeah, yeah. i mean this is kind of old news at this point um i think some of its advantages is that it will retrieve info from the web a little bit like bing um not just its training data so free chat gpt plugins so 48 hours ago that was kind of cool less cool now um but i yeah i think in essence here, what's important for marketers is that Google is clearly trying to play a bit of catch up here, maybe not doing a great job of it, to be honest. Um, it is probably still worth getting yourself on the wait list and having a play if you get approved. 
so that you can see how you might use it for content generation, uh, brainstorming ideas, that type of thing. Anything that you might use ChatGPT for, really, just to see if you can get better results or different types of results with Bard. It's also a general business use of certainly Google Apps users maybe gives us a slight insight into what we can expect when Google launches its suite of tools for workspace. And so what it might be like to have a chat assistant across Gmail, Docs, Sheets, Live, that type of thing. Um, but in essence, all you really need to know is Google is slowly but surely trying to edge its way into this story, but still continually feeling like it's being left behind, to be honest. They are playing catch up. I got accepted on uh, after I got onto the chat uh, waitlist. It was about 48 hours. I think, from what I understand, they are prioritizing Google One subscribers. So if you have a Google One subscription, I think you get faster access. I do. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, mine was pretty quick. It came through, uh, like I say, within 48 hours. It's been interesting to have Bard open as well as Bing chat open as well as chat gpt and just running the the prompt side by side at this moment in time i don't think there's much in it between uh, bard and the bing chat i still think gpt4 even though bing has gpt4 integrated into it i think when you use it in chat gpt it just feels different i that's my I think like, Bing's been shackled. When I ask it certain questions, like it's like deliberately not trying that hard and being super safe with what it tells me to the point where it's like inane what it tells me at times. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a fair assessment of it. My immediate impressions, and this was kind of knee-jerk, I'd been playing with it for 10 or 15 minutes. Bard is kind of chat GPT, GPT 3.5 with a few links. And at this point, given how fast things have accelerated, that is old. I mean, we're talking, that's November. Yeah, that's uh, pretty wheel at this point. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a different world and they are playing catch up heavily. So yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't warrant more conversation, I would say. Agreed, Amundo. Um, let's talk about, let's get into creative. A lot of people who've been listening to this, marketers where, you know, creative strategy and execution will be a part of their of their jobs there's a, a raft of um creative driven launches this week why don't you tell us a little bit of, about what canva had to say yeah so canva had been teasing these 10 new gifts and they announced them at their canva create their annual conference showcasing all of their big product updates and in total 10 well 10 new gifts as the title suggested it would be uh, magic Design, Magic Draw, Translate, Magic Eraser and Edit, Beat Sync, Presentation Generator, Magic Write, Text to Image, uh, or an evolution of, plus Create an Animation, a new Brand Hub bonus features, including all sorts of kind of professional things that you get in more Adobe quality uh, products, stuff that people have been frustrated about with uh, Canva for ages. But in terms of the AI element, there were some really interesting ones. One in particular that, that stood out for me and... I think this just goes to show how uh, how fast the scene is moving. So when Google launched their Pixel smartphone last year, I don't know if you remember the adverts for them, uh, Google Pixel 7, I think it was. The big feature that they were really pushing on was the magic eraser. You take a photo and you can scrub out an item. And that was like their lead thing. It's like, you want to do this thing, you can do this right on the phone. It's amazing. Well, Canva just announced that feature as like one of 10 or 15 different features <laughs> and you can do it like, there you go. Yeah. But like the main reason to buy that smartphone, which is the best part of a thousand pound, you could just do it on Canva for like a 10 pound a month subscription and they probably have it on the app as well and anyone can do it. I mean, that's amazing. They've also integrated Magic Edit. So if you've done in-painting with Dali um, on Dali on uh open AI where you can color in a bit of the or kind of mask off a bit of an image and then describe what you want to see there instead that's now baked into Canva powered by stable diffusion so they're clearly working with stability AI there mm -hmm. uh, looks cool looks really uh, interesting uh, they've expanded the magic right option so last year they introduced AI text generation which was specifically for the Canva doc 
Docs, so like Google Docs, the word processing element of Canva, mm-hmm. they had it in the in the long form editor. They've now made that available across the suite. So anywhere there's a text box, you can now use uh, AI text generation. But a cool feature that I really did like is that they've now integrated uh, 19 languages with this, as well as uh, an in-situ translation tool. So you can just, whatever you've written, translate it on the fly, and it translates it in your design there and then. So for marketers, particularly those that are working globally, uh, with different audiences, you can, within one suite, without having to drop and change to different places, you can do it all in one streamlined workflow. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's too much to go into in terms of the announcement. There's, there's a whole raft of things I haven't really touched on. Um, the the beat sync, which is a video editing thing where you drop your audio and it will automatically cut your video in line with the, the beat of the, the music and the video and synchronizing. And oh, I can't even really get the words out to describe it properly, Paul. It's just so much. It makes me want to put a backing track on this video and then just have it cut between you and me insanely fast to some crazy techno beat. Um, yeah, just a bit of not because it has any real value, right? <laughs> to the poor listeners who at this point are thinking, um, surely there can't be any more announcements. Oh, but there are. Um, but before we get to them, um, yeah, some you were thinking, I think, through some of the sort of second order effects that you get from this explosion of AI powering creative tools. We'll, we'll look at Adobe Firefly and Runway ML in a moment, but what, you, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I think... You know, it's, it's great that everyone has this these new capabilities, but actually when you think about workflow, and we're going to touch on this later on in the podcast in terms of the impact on the labor market, this just enables people that didn't have skills in a particular area before to suddenly have those skills. Uh, a really nice example that they show in the, uh, in the kind of presentation is uh, they've got this animation tool. Now, previously, you'd need an animator or someone that knows their way around uh any of the kind of video production tools to, to be able to add that on. But now your marketing exec who has had no video production training can create that little graphic that adds a little animation. So it reduces the need for those specialized design skills. You don't need to outsource as much. One person can do much more. I also like the fact that the translations are baked in. So again, just wider reach opens up um, more possibilities for your marketing. You don't have to there's, there's still always concerns around is that translation accurate? Um, it's always worth getting a sense check. But in terms of workflow, in ter- all of that that piece is just sped up. I think there's much more uh, efficiency gains from having everything just in one suite of tools. We didn't touch on some of the branding um, pieces as well. There's a really nice feature that they use. I don't know about you, Paul, but you've probably undergone during your time in business or helped to manage a couple of rebrands or redesigns of things. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. Sometimes a small one might be that a logo has been updated, but that logo sits on hundreds of documents. So now you've got to go through and update hundreds of documents, right? These might be templates, brochures, whatever. Canva has done it so that that's just a one-click process now and it rolls it out across all of your templates. Bang, there you go, done. Yeah, that's insane. And and leveraging the power that comes with AI to do that in a much more intelligent way than would have been done before, right? You'd have to, even one-click tools from a year ago would get it right for a few templates and completely mess up how that should have been you know, applied to a bunch of them that you then have to do manually. So the context awareness of a lot of these tools has improved a lot, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think you're right. And it's interesting. Let's talk about Adobe Firefly briefly, because it's kind of similar. Um, so it's um, there's a waitlist opened up for this, where it will create images from a prompt, so very Dolly, Midjourney-esque, replace sections of an image. I mean, we're now starting to talk about these things like they're so passe. We're like, well, of course, isn't that easy? And it's like, if someone said a year ago, You'd even be able to do one or two of these things. You'd be like, oh, wow, that sounds amazing. Some crazy wizardry is involved in that. Um, but no, these are just a bunch of bullet points now that come as expected. Um, 
One of the things that I liked about this, uh, and I haven't got access to the beta yet, so I haven't played with it, but some of the demo videos where, of course, they cherry-pick things that look amazing rather than things that don't work out very well, um, was generating effects and designs to lay on top of text. So, in essence, I think in one of the videos, they're going to write the word yum, but they want it to look like a baked cake with chocolate dripping off of it. And it looks really good. And then if you don't quite like the way that the chocolate's dripping, it gives you multiple options of how the chocolate might drip off those letters. And you can basically write anything you like in a whole host of whatever creative styles you can imagine, which is kind of really cool. Then there's the um, generation of custom vectors, brushes, and textures. So in essence, I think the example is there's a there's like a dog, like a poodle maybe, and they select the dog's hair, because it's got quite a big fluffy head, and turn it into a brush, like a context-aware brush, that they can basically expand the hairstyle out and give it this crazy massive hairstyle that looks exactly like it should because this smart AI-driven brush doesn't just mimic that piece of hair it was trained on. It understands how that hair would look over on the other side of the head or if it was made to be much bigger, which is really, really cool. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff in there as well around editing video and, um, and 3D models and all those other things. Um so it's, it's really cool. I recommend going to the firefly.adobe.com website to have a look at some of those things because they are amazing. Uh, recoloring vectors. Just imagine, right? You want to, you get a load of icons off of Adobe stock, I would assume, but maybe Shutterstock or whatever. And then you just type in the box what your brand colors are. And then it intelligently does that. Not just simple icons, but complex icons or even full vector images would be really quite cool and fun. Again, my only real fear with some of these things is, because I completely take your point, and I think it will have a big impact, Martin, that not people without design training can now get really good design results. But I think, A, it will funnel us all into a very templated world. Oh, there's another word with where the word looks like it's got chocolate dripping off it, but they all look a bit like that, because now everybody just uses Firefly to do them, right? Um, that's just the text example, but you could definitely imagine the types of banner images and social images and brochure templates and stuff that Canva's got and everybody's just looking the same because they do it for speed instead of differentiation. Let's not forget, creative branding is about being memorable. It's about standing out. So taking these shortcuts is probably going to make sense in some cases, but in other cases, it's going to actually achieve the opposite of what you're trying to do. So I think in those cases, being able to really go through a proper creative concepting process with a with a you know creative director who's coming up with a novel idea that is the essence of your brand doing the research to make sure it's really going to differentiate you from your competitors and it's aligned with who your brand is and the benefits you bring and what the personality of your of your brand is and all that stuff and then executing that with a level of finesse and customizability that these tools can't give very easily right you can't go in to these tools at the moment and make minor tweaks to the output i think that will come very quickly with firefly if i'm honest because of course it can give you your creations port them straight into illustrator or photoshop and you can tweak away to your heart's content so uh, i do think there is a there is still a space for that level of design excellence it's just the quick and easy things are now even quicker and even easier and probably maybe designer in the loop not so required i think it's all about the the application isn't it like where are you where are you using this if you're putting together an internal presentation for the board right you don't need to spend hours crafting that presentation anymore you can stick your data in and canva or microsoft copilot or google's ai workspace will just create the deck for you right so that job that would have taken you a couple of hours to do is now you've got the data stick it in tell it the story you want to tell it's done you don't need it to be brand creative workshopped no it's just and it's it's functional so functional design like from a but like, doesn't need to be memorable it needs to be just work that will be made much easier i think often within deliberately restricted brand guidelines to keep stuff on brand it's almost like probably the tempted approach in the use case you just described is actually useful for keeping things restricted i think you're right i think they'll find their place and um, and it will be human in the loop where humans bring unique value and then AI in the loop where speed, efficiency and automation and, to be honest, operating within a set of rules is valuable. Cool beans. Let's do one last um, 
design-driven one, like this is a throwaway piece of news. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We've talked so much about design. Let's just do this one quickly. Runway ML teases the launch of text to video with a really brilliant teaser video of what you're going to be able to do. So in essence, for those that don't know, Runway ML is like a suite of video and image-driven AI tools that can do all the standard things we've been describing, but some also pretty cool stuff in between, like the um, some of the object removal that Martin was talking about for Cam, but with, but with video. So you do a video and there's somebody in it you don't want, you can take them out. Um, but what they did a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, is they launched Gen 1, which was you would do a video on your phone and then you could stylize it and really make it look pretty neat. And we, I think we talked about the Indiana Jones example in, in a previous episode. With the launch of Gen 2, now you can do something similar, but you don't have to give it a video to make a stylized video. You can do video to video like that. You can do image to video. So you give it a stylized image and you say make a video of this, but you could do text to video. Text to video. So we are talking earlier about giving non creatively designed people, videographer, non-videographers, non-designers access to tools where they can get reasonable results without having to have all that skill or training. And what Gen 2 is suggesting it's going to be able to do is give us the opportunity to be able to produce interesting video content without actually having to capture any video. We just write what we want. The the examples on the, the announcement were brilliant. I love the one of, uh, there was someone had a, a some some books and they just did like a very short clip of uh, the camera kind of zooming in, getting a close-up of these these books that are stacked side by side. And then there was a prompt, which is something like turn this into an aerial shot of the New York City skyline or something. It was along those lines. And that video was then magically transformed into a skyline of the modern metropolitan city with skyscrapers. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. There's an example of show a surfer catching a wave as well, which was a text-based prompt that produced a pretty interesting video. I think one thing that I still know is that the videos are far from real production quality, right? Like they look a bit rough. They remind me of my, I would love to say worst outputs from Dolly, but probably my average and near best outputs of Dolly where it like looks kind of cool, but there's enough clunky bits in the image that like don't look that good. Um, so, so that's where this technology is at. So I think it's more of an example of what's coming versus like being a production ready tool, you know, never need to use a videographer again, just explain to runway what you want. And then you get this thing that you could, that Nike could create a, a, um, a commercial off the back of, um, I think it's interesting as well. I think, was it, um, was it, was mid journey five just released as well? Oh, yeah. Mid journey five. Uh, so the image quality there looks really good. Portraits uh, look stunning. I look at they look incredible. Um, and there's been some examples going around. I think is it Obama and Angela Merkel like having yeah, on the beach, having tea on the beach, <laughs> looking pretty photorealistic. So, so the so we're getting there on the quality of image front. And the, look, do you see the Trump one? Sorry to yes. the the Trump getting arrested one, which this week of all weeks has caused a bit of a you know talk about fake news and deep fakes like that one's actually got people uh, a bit riled up and thinking it's real right because these were drifting into deep fake territory with how good the quality is getting if you look at adobe firefly the text examples i described they are production ready like you could drop those on a big glossy billboard on london underground and people would think they're a professional designer put them together if you contrast that with even as little as three to six months ago, people with eight fingers, faces that look like ghouls, and the only real way that you could get a decent image is deliberately doing something impressionist. Like the best results I've got from Dolly 2 still today are when I say, give me a painting in the style of Monet because it's impressionist by default. And so the fact that it can't, it kind of doesn't really understand what the shapes are doesn't really matter but yes with some of these examples that we've seen from from mid journey five um we're getting there and that's kind of scary in itself as well really do you know i would say mine i'm i'm a bit of a tech nerd so when all this stuff is launching i'm like oh so excited oh so excited oh so excited this week is the first week where i've been like a little bit afraid because mm. because this train is starting to like like it's flying. It's going to come off the tracks if it keeps going at this speed, right? And either 
I, I try and process it in my brain. Either all of these companies have been working on these things for months, which I think is highly likely, and that everything needing to be launched at once because the opportunity is going to be gone is driving so many launches. And I, I think that's a big part of it. But you've got to wonder how much having access to these tools a year ahead of where we are now, because of course in the labs are going to be ahead of us, is enabling faster development. And we're really hitting that exponential curve, right? We talked earlier about ChatGPT being able to basically do half the lifting of building a plugin for you by just explaining what you want. Well, if you work internally at OpenAI and you've got access to these tools, how much quicker can you develop and ship updates to your software because you've got all these assistants. So we, I tried to imagine what the exponential curve of AI would look like the last two weeks. Like what's, what's next week going to bring? What's, where are we going to be by the end of 2023 if we're on that curve? Just look back up the tweet from, I forget, was it, was it Sam Altman or was it Greg Brockman? One of the leadership team at OpenAI. When ChatGPT came out around Christmas time, I think I might have even said it in the first podcast, they said, we will look back in a year's time, we will look back at the AI that we have today. I think it was basically quaint. Right? That, and, and already, you know, we're, we're three months out from that tweet. And already we're dismissing Bard as if it was a complete non-entity. Right. <laughs> yeah. And all these technical wizardry and all these design programs as being table stakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Um, that's probably, this is the last set of stories for today, a good point to actually switch into speaking to something, uh, some of these research papers that have come out, Martin, that I know you've been uh, diving deeper into. What do you want to do first? Do you want to do OpenAI's impact on the labor market or, what, or do you want to look at the agency? I think the... AGI one is a good one because this one um, kind of concludes with some of the labor market stuff. So okay. the, the the Microsoft research team obviously had access to GPT-4 for a while. While they were integrating it with Bing, they've had access to it. And, and they said, actually, this is probably a good time for us to write a paper on this because this is quite an incredible piece of technology. Um, so they've written a report saying that this is the spark well, these are the first sparks of artificial general intelligence. And then proceeded to write a paper that explains why they think that is the case and, and why this is beyond just a, a simple artificial intelligence, which can do a narrow range of tasks that it's trained to do. But actually, we're heading much more into something that has an understanding of the world beyond what it's kind of trained to do. And there are some fascinating little insights in it um so just as a in fact today we got a as a side note to that um the first article today that i've read confirming gpt4 as a one trillion parameter model so i saw this article shared uh i forget the source now it's not a there was an article about elon musk's relationship with open ai but within that it's clearly a well-sourced article it mentioned GPT-4 is a 1 trillion parameter model. And I think this really shows, if you just play around with GPT-4 and GPT-3.5, you, you see big differences very quickly. So going back to the researchers, they, they've laid out a series of different tests and experiments that they've done to demonstrate the capabilities. And one of the things that, that they're uncovering is that the text model has a very solid understanding of spatial reasoning. And so there's a couple of examples of that. One is that they uh, asked it to draw a unicorn using TIGZ code, which is something I'm not familiar with, but it's a kind of diagramming uh, code. And it did it. If you look at the GPT-3 version of it, it was just basically a hexagon with a square on the corner. The GPT-4 one does a pretty good example of it. Then they edited it. They took that graph, took away the, the horn, and then asked it to add the horn onto this, and it mapped it on again. They did, that wasn't a visual input. They just put the code in and said, add a horn for a unicorn onto it, and it was able to do that. Um, there was a really interesting example with navigating a map. So using a text chat, 
So back and forth, they said, you are basically walking through a, a building, uh, go straight ahead, You've now entered a room, um, there are four doors, um, turn right, you've now entered another room, there are two doors, turn left, and so on and so forth. Right. At the end of this chat, which saw it walk through a room taking, I think it was 11 or 12 moves through this space, at the end of the chat, they asked it to summarize and describe the building that it was in. And it gave an example of where it was talking about, it started off in the living room. The living room leads onto the hallway and onto the kitchen. We went into the hallway. The hallway had this, 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 and this. And it perfectly describes that room. Then they asked it to plot a map using, again, using code, using some sort of mapping um model which i'm unfamiliar with again and it wrote the code for this map and then when you put the code in it had perfectly plotted so that's a different modality it could take a text description and then turn that text description into a map so it was a kind of again a different kind of modality understood space and time separately to that there was an interesting thread on twitter where someone said um they asked it there's a diamond in a thimble inside a cup uh, the cup, uh, you take the cup into the bathroom, you take the cup out of the bathroom, you put the cup on the bed, you turn the cup upside down, you take the cup, put it on the table. Where's the diamond? And GPT-4 says it's on the bed. GPT-3 is like, oh, it's on the table. So GPT-4 has much better reasoning of the, the world around it. A couple of other things. Uh, there was a Plato's Dialogues. Um, they got it to do... Uh, to explain the, the 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 dangers of autoregressive language models, so basically explain the, the dangers of something like a of language model of itself, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and they did it with ChatGPT and GPT four, and got it to do it in the dialogues format of of Plato's dialogues, and then got it to critique its own uh, chat out with both of them as a teacher. Like if you were the teacher, and then it was like give gave feedback. <laughs> needed to improve even though it produced it itself it was kind of mad it, yeah and then they did a similar thing with um with patient notes so they did it in a medical setting uh kind of described a situation and then got it to write some patient notes and then got it to critique the patient notes and it it basically in the first patient notes it had hallucinated uh, something about bmi but the only way you can get the bmi of a patient is by knowing the height of the weight and one of those factors wasn't known in this text. So when it was critiquing the patient notes, it said, well, it shouldn't have given BMI because it didn't have all the relevant information. Wow. So really the subtle little thing like that. And there was an interesting example with sketch generation and possible applications for sketch generation. Again, using plotting, map plotting software. So it can't, it's not an image generator, but you can get it room using code and plotting graphs, that kind of language, you can get it to draw sketches. And it was asked to draw a sketch of um, of a city building game, like SimCity or something like that. So draw yeah. a sketch of, a, of that kind of environment. So it plotted out that, and then they took that sketch, put it into stable diffusion, where you can turn a sketch into an image. And then they had an AI version of a sim building, city building game created off the back of a sketch um, and it was brilliant and it was much more um, detailed and realistic. The, the, the final output from, from Stable Diffusion was much more realistic than when it didn't have the sketch or if you just asked um, a text to image generator to create the model itself. So I've got a question, Mike, right? because this is just being trained on a load of information, right? These are, are these somewhat emergent capabilities? They're not being, it's not like they trained it and they went, do you know what would be nope. great is if it could create a sketch by basically plotting things like a graph and then so we can give it to me. Like this isn't designed. These are all, a lot of these are emergent behaviors. Exactly. The things that the model has, it, it's created an understanding of the world by having read enough, a big enough corpus of text, which is basically everything ever, all of the time. Um, and, and it's now understood 
all of that. It's it's balmy the way that it can do it. It developed a complex 3D game in HTML and JavaScript where there were these defenders that kind of come out and block you as you try and move through. And it was able to, it was asked to create this game and it did it. If you tried to get GPT-3 to do that, GPT-3, the response to GPT-3 is basically, I'm a large language model. No, I'm not doing that. What do you think I am? Intelligent. And then GPT-4 is like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, no problem. I'll do that. Rubs its hands together. Whoa, I'd love a challenge, mate. Um, last one before we move on, because we're going to run out of time. But tell us a bit about the um, the stack in the book. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry. So it was asked to, um, to, to stack a book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail on top of each other. And they got chat GPT to identify how it would do it and GPT-4 to, to, to perform that same task. And GPT-4 gives quite a, a reasonable answer where it says you would put the book down, you would put the eggs three by three grid spaced apart, then put the laptop on top of that so it's load bearing and it spreads the weight evenly and then you put the, the bottle and the nail on top of that. Um, and then you say, you think, wow, the, the reasoning, the ability to understand physics of the new environment Brilliant. But actually, it was the chat GPT response, which I thought was brilliant, because the chat GPT said, place the eggs on top of the nail, making sure they are balanced and not tilting to one side. Like, you idiot. This is absolutely just balked his understanding of the world there. Nine eggs on top of a nail. Go. Right. It does make me wonder if now I just want to go and ask it a load of questions from... Um... From Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like I want to say, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And I want it to come back and say, is that a, an African swallow or a European swallow? So I can say, I don't know that, and go flying off into the bridge of despair. Um, but yeah, it's kind of insane how its um, its reasoning abilities are emerging, right? Yeah, and this leads them in the paper to look at the societal impact. It kind of concludes with with this. So they actually have a section as well talking about. Um, being able to plug it into other tech, so giving it connections via APIs. Mm -hmm. And they released this a day before the plugin announcement. So I think if you oh. read the paper, you might have seen the plugin announcement. Coming I like out. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the societal impact, they do talk about AI could displace human workers uh, and reduce particularly the highly skilled workers. Because when GPT-4 can do as well or better than most humans on professional exams, we saw this with the bar scores in the top 10% of humans for the legal bar exam, and it can start to diagnose diseases at a rate that's as good or better than the average doctor, the status of these jobs could be diminished. So that's an interesting thing for us to consider, which leads us to OpenAI's research paper on the impact on the labor market. So this came out um, on the 17th of March, and they've basically looked at what GPTs, generative pre-trained transformers, uh, will do to the labor market. They specifically looked at the US labor market and the headline figures are 80% of the workforce could have 10% of their tasks impacted by GPT. 80%. So 80%. Most people will probably see their jobs impacted at least a little bit. Yes. Yes, and 19% of workers may see 50% of tasks affected. So a fifth of people, half your jobs is being done by a computer, basically. Yep. And the more interesting note from all of this is that it's the higher wage jobs that face the higher, uh, greatest exposure. So legal, medical, uh, scientific, you name it. Um, very interesting. There, so it's going to have significant economic, social, and policy implications. Potentially widening inequality. One of the big things that they've um, they've identified there. So, uh, why does this matter? <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to argue. Why doesn't it matter? This is going to change the way that we all uh, work, the the productivity that we get. But it's also going to displace jobs, and it is going to cause great uh, inequality. They did list in there actually as well um, jobs that aren't going to be impacted, and unsurprisingly, it's things like uh, builders and people that work on oil rigs, and yeah, it's lots of manual work. 
lay that out and say, we're always going to need those jobs. They're not going to be impacted. Well, yes, I agree with that, except for you've got Elon Musk and and Tesla's Optimus robot that they're working on. And then there was a big load of buzz around um, figure and it's an AI-driven robot. Can I just chime in on the Tesla hype cycle? (laughs) There was a great video that I saw the other day of, uh, it was from 2014 onwards. Right. Elon Musk saying every year, we are one year away from fully autonomous driving vehicles. He has made that statement for the best part of a decade and Tesla are still no further along than level two autonomy. In fact, another car company has got to level three. I think Mercedes is the first to get to level three autonomy. So I take everything Elon Musk says with a absolute mountain of salt. (laughs) Enough to give you uh, the type of heart disease that you'd ideally want an AI's ability to detect nice and early if you're going to be eating that much salt. Now, I take that point um, Martin, we'll uh, we'll have to see how all that shakes out. Maybe some of his promises will, will actually start to see some delivery. Right. Wow, that's a lot to go through. We do do tools of the week and bits and pieces, so we're going to cram them on the end. If you're on a if you're in the gym, do an extra ten minutes. Um, you're welcome. You're going to be even fitter. Um, if you walk in the dog, the dog deserves it. A nice nice extra bit of sniffing. So let's look at the tool of the week. We'll be really quick here. Um, so uh, we've been playing with a couple of tools. I've been playing with Ask Your PDF and Chat Shape this week. So in essence, these are Chat GPT enabled chatbots that allow you to basically query information from web pages and PDFs. So for Ask Your PDF, you basically upload a PDF like an ebook or a peer review paper or something. And then it briefly summarizes it for you and suggests some questions you might ask of it, but you can ask whatever questions you want. Um, And this includes being able to summarize the PDF. Um, And it's been working particularly well. I've been actually quite impressed with it. So I I fed it some of Biostrata's eBooks and asked some questions about it. Um, And um, I think the information was reasonable that it was surfacing. So that was kind of cool, but I've mostly been using it to summarize PDFs instead of reading the whole things at this point. Um, So I think it'll be down to the marketers who are listening to think about what other creative things they might do with that. The other thing I was playing with is ChatShape, which is a a Chrome extension that at the moment reads data on a web page and then allows you to query it with natural language through through a chat interface. So in essence, you could go to Wikipedia and then you could just ask questions of the Wikipedia article without actually having to read it. I think this is interesting proof of principle but i think when it's going to get really exciting is when it can access all of the content on a given website which at the moment they don't offer but they say is coming soon so i quite want to get hold of it when that happens so that i can give it access to our all of our resources section and blog section on our website and then allow people to ask questions about life science marketing where the information will be gathered from our blog specifically and from all the different pieces of content that we prepared which is one of the use cases that OpenAI have talked about integrating knowledge bases they're going to be making that really easy i think they're building their own tool for that as well actually so um, which this would be able to do because if you were you know if you've got like a wiki an internal wiki or something like that it, it should absolutely be able to do that as well but i, th- I think your point is really interesting mine because ultimately there's so many third-party tools that are being developed that Copilot released by Microsoft, Google's doing what it does. Now this plugin on top of ChatGPT, a lot of well-funded startups just went pop because it's like, oh, crumbs. Now uh, it turns out Microsoft's already doing that. Well, now you can do it in a weekend using uh, the plugin ecosystem of ChatGPT. Um, yeah. So you mentioned Ask Your PDF. Is that available for free? Can we sign up today? What's yeah, so you can trial um, the chat um, shape and Ask Your PDF is free or at least like at the use level I've been using it for. I haven't had any pop-ups or anything telling me I've got to pay or anything now. I didn't have to register. You go to Ask Your PDF and it's just got a window where you can drop your PDF. I would imagine, I personally wouldn't put any sensitive commercial information into it that wasn't publicly available and could be found by other means um, because who knows where that PDF is going. Um, And um, for obvious reasons, you're going to install the Chrome extension. You should know what you're giving that 
Chrome extension access to, which is basically everywhere you go on the web. Um, but yes, I think they're worth having a play with. Right. Good. Last little bit. We're going to talk about um, this Ninja marketing application for AI. It's kind of a sales application, I guess, really, but that was sent to me by a friend of mine. And it's really kind of cool. Let me just Twitter's let me down there and just disappear. Let me just dig this up. Where's my link? There it is. Um, so this comes from Spencer Scott on Twitter, describing a strategy that was applied by his friend, Mohammed Omar. So here's what I'm just going to read it to you because I don't think I could do it justice trying to paraphrase it. So he says, my buddy, um, Mohammed Omar runs a software development shop. Like every business owner, he wants more customers. And historically, some of his best customers are Shopify owners that he builds custom apps for. This is where it gets crazy. So, um... In essence, what Mohammed does is he pulls a list of 100,000 Shopify sites with name, email, website, metadata, etc. Maybe that's a bit dubious, that part, but there you go. Um, normally, he would send some half, this is not my words, half-baked shitty email that would result in a 0.01% reply rate. Well, instead of doing that, he built the most insane tool I've ever seen. He built a tool that takes all the data for each Shopify store, trains GPT-4 on what the site does and sells, and then has GPT-4 come up with an idea for an app to generate all revenue for the store and then pitch the app in a cold email. He says, Spencer says, I'm not making this up. The first email he showed me was GPT-4 pitching a bath bomb company, the idea of an app that allows users to build their own bath bombs on the site. The email was insane. It gets even crazy because the owner responds with an email saying, uh, hi, I love this idea, but I'm not sure how it would work at scale with manufacturing, of which Spencer's friend doesn't know about manufacturing. So he has GPT-4 respond knowledgeably saying, I understand that you might have some concerns, but our app could look up your inventory you have in stock and only allow customers to build products you already have, right? So now GPT-4 is an expert in these challenges. You know, the the person doing this doesn't even have to, like, know or think about it. The customer thought it was an incredible idea and um, wasn't ready to do it right now, but really wanted to circle back to it. Then there was another one um, that I have to tell you as well um, about, about for a socks company, right? So it's an email that says, uh, yo... Um, some of this is blanked out for obvious reasons. Um, can I just say I'm absolutely loving brand socks. Your mission to support these people with every purchase is freaking awesome. So I've got this amazeball idea for a Shopify app that will boost your sock game even more. This is GPT-4 writing this, right? Picture this, success stories where your customers can share their coolest experiences rocking their brand socks right on your store. Think about it. Happy customers, heartwarming stories, maybe even some selfies. What better way to spread the love and ramp up sales? Just thinking out loud here, says GPT-4, <laughs> which is not doing that. Um, but if you ever want to chat more about this or bounce ideas around, I'm all ears. Keep doing what you're doing. Your socks rock and so do you. So gets a reply. Hi, person. I'm not sure if this is another spam email that I typically get, but you had me at success stories. So I'd definitely <laughs> be up to hit for hearing more. He he sent this pitch to 3,000 Shopify owners and is getting these incredible bits of feedback because of how customized the pitch is, how interesting it is, and how creatively and novel novelly the pitch is delivered. All of it is being automated by GPT-4. Yeah, and the app production will be automated by people who will go, I like the sound of this. Can you make it happen? And then... GPT-4 will make it happen. And then he'll just be sat there going, this is printing money. But I mean, it's insane, that story. Um, so I wanted to share that with everyone because I think as marketers, and we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, Martin, there's still a massive gap that should be filled by you, dear listeners, imagination. What problems are you facing? What do you need? What do you wish that you could do? Because if it's interrogating data systems asking questions of things getting summaries like with the with the new plugin uh marketplace or platform from 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 open ai it, it's really going to come down to what do you want to do what can you imagine that you might do what ninja use cases can you think of because 
you're going to be able to potentially build things that are very, very customized just to what you want to do. Um, and I think that's really exciting. I agree. It's a brave new world. It is indeed. It is indeed. So I think with that, Martin, we'll probably um, give people's ears a rest and probably their brains as well. Um, I hope you took a billion notes, everyone, for cool stuff you want to do with all those tools. And if you like this podcast, please do subscribe. Share it with your all your marketing friends because maybe they would enjoy it as well. Um, we've still got loads of downloads, which is amazing. We're blown away by how people have been receiving this so far. If you do have any feedback, We'd love to hear it. What do you want to see on the on the podcast? What topics do you want to focus on? If you are yourself a ninja marketing or salesperson who's come up with an awesome, interesting application for AI in your own workflow, we'd love to get you on. We'd love you to tell us about what you've done. Or if you're not too keen to come on the podcast, just send us an email or a, or a LinkedIn direct message about what you've been doing and we'll get you featured and tell your story and help uh, inspire people for their own ideas. So I think with that, we'll go into our weekend mind. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. This weekend, I'm off to Peterborough to watch the Mighty Rams play Peterborough. Uh, I haven't given my Derby County update for the week, so I know that's important. People want to hear it. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. How about you? It might be a revolt, actually, that we didn't do a Derby County update at the beginning um, because we claimed there was too much AI stuff going on. But there's never, never going to be that much AI stuff that we don't want to know what Derby County is up to. Uh, I am looking at the sunshine through my window right now thinking i got to get me some of that so I think I might take the dog out for a little walkie um, and uh, yeah try and enjoy a little bit of sunshine before the weekend gets here well enjoy cheers buddy I'll speak to you soon bye bye yeah. thank you for listening to artificially intelligent marketing to stay on top of the latest trends tips and tools in the world of marketing AI be sure to subscribe. We look forward to seeing you again next week.